0: Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply.
1: This is the Best of the Joe Show. Running back some of the best audio you've heard on this radio station over the past 24 hours. Oh, yeah. It is a feel good Friday and I'm here to feel good with you. That didn't sound right. My name is Dan Day. You can follow me on Twitter at Dan Day Radio. Going to be feeling it on the way with the Joe Rose Show interviewing former Dolphin quarterback Jay Fiedler. See you're already smiling hearing that. Also, the Dan Levitard Show talking about kind of a sad story, but in the end will be a feel-good story from NFL quarterback Alex Smith and Hawk and Crowder, always making you boom-chicka-chicka feel good because it's Friday. So we'll get to all that in just a few minutes. Right now, let's feel up on some of these headlines. Once again, that didn't sound right. Nonetheless, Adrian Wojnarowski reports a majority of team owners are optimistic this NBA season will resume in the near future and that they would be open to next season running from December until August. The Dolphins have traded former first-round pick Charles Harris to Atlanta for a seventh-round pick. The defensive end had only half a sack last season. The Marlins will begin to furlough workers. Due to the NBA NBL, MLB shutdown, CEO Derek Jeter is foregoing his salary for the time being. Inter Miami has finalized broadcasting deals with CBS and Univision Miami to show its matches once the MLS season resumes. When the NBA season returns, compression tights could be the new norm in order to protect players from the spread of infectious disease. Analysis says that the sudden loss of sports has cost $12 billion in revenue and hundreds of thousands of jobs. If the football season is wiped out, those numbers could double. Now, let's take a step into the day spa. (sighs) To celebrate the end of lockdown in Kazakhstan, a woman went mountain climbing, then fell to her death while trying to take a picture on the side of a cliff. Worst coronavirus celebration ever. Swedish officials have dumped tons of chicken poop all over an area park in order to deter revelers from celebrating a local holiday. That's crap. A woman recently bought what she believed would be a pound of sweet potatoes online, only to find out she really just purchased one big one pound sweet potato. There's sweet potato fries. Sweet potato souffle, baked sweet potatoes. Former U.S. House of Representative Dick Sweat is 63 today. Happy birthday, Dick Sweat. Now onto weather. Tonight's forecast clear with temperatures in the low 70s. Oh, yeah, making you feel good on this Friday. Going to have some reggae music on the way, man. You know, that always makes you feel a little bit better. Friday, though. Just the word course if you had to get up early today you're probably saying oh thank goodness today's friday and thank goodness i got the joe rose show on the radio weekdays 6 to 10 you were extra happy if you heard this if you missed it be extra happy now talking with former dolphins quarterback jay fiedler about the dolphins playoff win remember that if you don't we'll relive it in just a second also on him replacing dan marino He's got a Ricky Williams story, his favorite Dolphins memory, and his thoughts on Tua.
2: Can the Dolphins do it? It has been magical. It has been enchanted in the second half for Miami. It all comes down to this, Bill. A season, your hopes, your dreams, all you work for.
3: Third down and goal from the nine. Here's people
4: under center again. Straight back to pass, he's looking, he throws, it's caught. On Touchdown, Ted Weaver! Ted Weaver's into the end zone!
2: Touchdown, Miami! The Dolphins have done it! They have done it! They have scored back here in the second
5: half. Handoff. off, Lamar wrapping up the ball with both arms, and he just gets away. Look at away. this! Oh, buddy. Look at this! pride of Oceanside High School in New York, Jay Fiedler, joins us right now. I had to give him some credit because I got friends from Long Island that would kill me if I didn't throw that out there. The pride of Oceanside High School, Jay Fiedler, joins us right now. Jay, good morning. How
2: you doing, buddy?
6: Good morning, Zach, Joe. How's everything going?
2: Man, we're we're doing great, Jay. I, excited about having you, and, and I just wanted to let you know, congratulations. You were part of the last playoff victory in the history of this franchise. <laughs> I, I never thought we'd have this conversation, Jay. <laughs>
6: Uh, i'll tell you i wish i wish that wasn't the case but uh it, it's amazing twenty years uh, uh it's unbelievable that that's that that's the case great memories that were brought back with that clip that you just uh, played on it but yeah I'd I'd love to see uh, the the Dolphins get back to to winning in the playoffs again
2: I never thought and I totally forgot 2000-2001 back-to-back 11 and 5 seasons man I know you guys had the great defense had good running game and stuff but before we get to all that you replaced Dan Marino I know a lot of people are excited about having you down here, but coming in, and you know what the numbers, like, I don't even know what the number is right now of guys that have started games since since Dan's been here and they've been looking for another quarterback, but... What was that like coming in? As you look back on it, knowing that Marino was a quarterback the year before.
6: Well, look, to, to me, that was you know that that was a non-factor for me. Uh, you know, coming in, I was a guy who was getting my first opportunity to compete for a starting job, and uh, my focus was building a respect in the locker room, building a respect uh, you know for my teammates, going out and proving that uh, I had what it takes to to help the team win games, and uh, kind of comparisons to, to Dan or, or you know. Pressure of following him, uh, you know, paled in consideration to, to the pressure I put on myself to to go out and, and prove every day that uh, I had what it takes to help the Dolphins win, uh, you know, week in and week out. You know, my focus was was, was just on that, just helping the team win. And uh, I knew if, if the wins come, then, then uh, you know, everything else could take care of itself. In terms of, you know, the factor of, of replacing Dan, uh, yeah, you know, the, the the biggest uh, you know factor with that was you know was uh, had nothing to do with anything on the field in practice or, or anything that it was distractions you know outside of uh, of anything that you know I needed to focus on and you know as long as I could keep those distractions at bay uh, you know from the media and the fans always uh, you know bring it up. The, the comparisons and, uh, and and playing that way but and, uh, it, it was easy for me uh, you know because I was someone that w- was always able to keep distractions that day
5: Jay it, it almost is unfair the fact that every single day of practice you had to play against Zach Thomas Jason Taylor Sam Madison Pat Sertan and that defense uh, how did you got I mean, you almost had to go in every week when you played other teams and say, ah, oh, practice might've been harder than this defense that we're playing this week. How great was that defense when you got to see that defense every single day at practice and the amazing names that were on that defense?
6: No doubt about it. And those guys certainly made us better on offense. Uh, You know, getting to work against them, uh, you know, day in and day out. and uh, You know, the challenges of, you know, the one-on-one matchups and, uh, you know, going into the team period. And and we had very competitive practices. You know, one of the focuses uh, with with Coach Wonstadt was you know, he wanted to, to create a situation where we were competing every single day. You know, our seven-on-seven seven, uh, periods would always have, you know, a little bit of a half-line uh, rush and, uh, and creating uh, situations where, you know, it wasn't just a seven-on-seven, seven, but I had to, you know, move around the pocket, avoid some pressure to do that. You know, our team periods were intense. And, uh, you know, being able to go up against those, uh, you know, those guys on defense uh, day in and day out was, uh, you know, certainly helped us every week.
2: Jay, you're, you're a classy guy. You've always been professional about everything, but you must have some great Ricky Williams stories. My man came in. <laughs> he had an unbelievable year, 1,853 yards, and that 16 touchdowns was just phenomenal. But he also was the guy in 2004 that said, you know what? I'm done. I'm going to go smoke and hang out around the world, and, and you find out what was that like when you guys found out. Hey, by the way, the big horse ain't coming back.
6: Well, I tell you, you know, and you probably remember Joe. I mean, that that spring before he decided to to, to go on sabbatical, I guess, uh, was kind of a dysfunctional period in uh, you know Miami Dolphin uh, history. I mean, our our offensive coaching staff was uh, you know probably one of the most dysfunctional I've ever seen uh, <laughs> in my time. We had uh, you know we, we uh, brought in. Uh, you know, we promoted Joel Collier, uh, to offensive coordinator and two weeks later he, he left the team. He had some... Uh, some some Was off, it uh, you know, or something or? yeah, yeah, yeah. Something that happened away from the field that uh, you know uh, we never got the, tr- the the real story about that. <laughs> Mark Trustman had come in as quarterback coach, and you know he had uh, offensive coordinator experience uh, from the year before, but you know his personality clashed with every other offensive coach and and, <laughs> and that we had, and created a, a, a crazy rift, uh, you know. Between the coaches, it it made it difficult, uh, you know, for us as players to, to, you know, get anything accomplished. And throw on top of that, that you know, our star running back uh, leaves us a couple weeks before training camp, and. Uh, it was a recipe for disaster
5: that year. Gotta Jay, be nice Jay. Jay, wow. you
2: said all that was just straight lace, man. That was beautiful, man. Yeah, we were a mess. <laughs> Jay, what's tougher, uh,
5: running your camp right now or being quarterback in the NFL? Uh,
6: right now, uh, you know, figuring out if I'm going to be able to run my camp. Right, uh, right. You know, we're, we're optimistic that we will be able to do it uh, and uh, and be able to open up Brookwood camps this summer, and you know, hopefully, uh, you know, we get the guidance. From uh, from New York State. In the governor's office soon to give us, give us the word on what we'll be able to do and, and when we'll be able to do it. Uh, you know, we're planning, planning forward, but you know, again, we don't know what we're planning for just yet. So, uh, you know, the, the uncertainty is, uh, uh is, is certainly tough right now, but yeah, you know, I think playing quarterback in the NFL is probably the toughest job, uh, you know, out there for anyone.
5: Let me tell you a funny yeah. story that uh, Jay, Jay was there. I mean, Jay, the, the feelers have owned, uh, Brookwood since I think 1986. Uh, Uh, In 1999, my brother went to a camp up in upstate New York, Camp Camp Chippinaw. That's right by Brookwood Camps, and we used to have counselor-counselor games. We went to Brookwood to have a game. and There's a lot of international guys that don't play a lot of basketball back then, and we got into a game and I got a vicious elbow from an international guy in one of those games. Next time down the court, I gave one back. I don't know who was running the sports department for both the camps. He got sent back to his bunk and I had to spend the rest of the time on the bus waiting for this game to end right there. And that was my uh, fantastic moment in the camp versus camp uh, counselor games back then. Brookwood versus Chippenaw at that point. I had to spend about 45 <laughs> minutes on a bus waiting for this game to end because I threw an elbow, he threw an elbow. It was good times back then. That was my 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 great sports moment talking to two guys played in the NFL.
2: Jay, can you imagine that's really good for business, talking about how <laughs> kids get beat up and get hurt at your camp? No, no
5: kids. No kids. It was two counselors in a counselor game. And, uh, of course, I was the second guy to throw the elbow, so I got caught. Of course that was going to happen.
6: I, I was expecting to hear a story where you were saying you dropped 25 on us or something. you know, but, uh, <laughs> No. You know,
5: I, knew, I, I think I, 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 knew think knew I had
6: four points
2: case. at that point. I think I had four I
5: points saying, at that I knew point. that wasn't
6: the case because we, we usually beat up on the other camps anyway. So, so
2: you play with Ricky Williams, who was one of the most interesting friggin' guys of all time, to did you ever have any of those conversation with him, and when he was out there reading those different books and hanging by himself, did did you ever? Cause you were you were like a smart guy, could kind of relate to him. Did you ever get to spend any time with Ricky?
6: Uh, yeah, I did. Uh, you know, few and far between because, you know, he did kind of keep to himself a lot. He, he was the one guy uh, on a team who, who lived down in South Beach when everyone else was living in, uh, you know, Davie Plantation, Broward County area. You know, so off the field, you know, outside the practice facility, you know, off the field, you know, he really wasn't, you know, hanging out with too many guys. You know, I did have a good opportunity, you know, when it came up to my to my camp. I, you know, I have a football camp that I run up at Brookwood Camps called Primetime Football. I've been doing that for over 20 years, and you know, I'd always bring up teammates, you know, to help out and coach the kids up over the weekends, and you know, Ricky came. Up one year, it was him and uh, Junior Seau and Chris Chambers. Uh, you know, we had an all-star crew up there that year for camp, and uh, you know, got to spend a good weekend with Ricky talking about it. And, and, and to be honest, I, I think. That was uh, kind of my first indication that Ricky was, you know, considering retiring or or leaving football and, you know, had some conversations there. And, uh, you know, he had asked, you know, certain questions in a certain way. Uh, I didn't think he was going to do it, you know, before the season. But I knew, you know, that was in the back of his head, uh, you know, at that time.
2: Jay, did you feel like it was because he carried the ball too much? That kind of came out and others said, yeah, Ricky feels like he's getting used too much. And, of course, he had a big, fat contract waiting for him that he ended up not getting, but what was the biggest reason? Burned out? Do you think it was too much? I'm, I'm getting used too much. I'm worried about worried about my health. What do you think it was?
6: Uh, you know, it, it, it's hard to say with him. Uh, I think there was certainly a factor, uh, you know, health-wise of, uh, you know, long-term health to him. And right. uh, definitely someone that was, uh, you know, very aware of his body, aware of, uh, you know, his physical condition. And, uh, you know, he came in and, and, you know, got on a strict diet when he first, uh, you know, got to Miami, dropped a lot of weight uh you know he came in at about 255 260 dropped down to about 230 and uh you know really helped him on the field uh you know with his explosiveness and uh, and his uh and his speed but I think it also uh you know was something that he was keenly aware of all the time of uh you know his condition and his body so you know certainly I'm sure that was a factor but uh you know I'm uh, I'm certain that there were a lot of other factors that uh, you know went into that decision as well
2: Jay, my favorite game, by the way, I, I, we heard those highlights of those two games with, with the Mad Dog, but that Raiders game, what for you? G- give me the game you kind of remember while you were down here in a Dolphins uniform that kind of stands out.
6: Yeah, I mean, I, I'd have to agree with you on the, the, the Raiders game, you know, right after nine eleven, 11 you know, the emotions of that game going into it. You know, coming back onto the field after the, the, the week off you know when uh, the NFL canceled the week and, uh, and just the way that that game unfolded and, uh, and uh, you know concluded in the end diving over the uh, over the oh, end zone man. with a couple right. seconds left on the clock and, and the energy in that in that stadium you know was something we haven't seen there in a long time.
5: It's a cover of Sports Illustrated. It's one of my favorite Sports Illustrated covers with you with your face on that uh, in that Oakland game right there. Uh, I, I question for you, Jay, because you played the position and you played for this franchise. Uh, the two a pick, you saw it. What was your first thoughts when two was drafted by the Dolphins? What did you think about that?
6: Uh, oh, look, I, I think it's you know a, a, a great deal for Miami. I think guy uh, that uh, you know certainly the fans had targeted for for a long time before that. Not the way that uh, you know they were looking at it. It's, it's an opportunity for Miami to get a guy who you know can stick around there for a while and I, and I certainly hope that durability holds up uh, you know, that's the biggest question mark on, on him right now is can he last, uh, you know, for the long term. And, you know, I think the, the, the big positive, uh, you know, that I got out of the draft was three out of the next six picks uh, after Tool were offensive linemen. And, uh, you know, they're, they're looking to build, you know, around him right now. And uh, and that's a good sign to see that not only did they invest in, in him at the top five, you know, at a, at a number five pick, but they're also investing with picks and guys around him, uh, you know, to help him succeed
2: we don't get to hear much you come down here very often we, we never hear about you you come down here at all with the family
6: yeah i do uh on occasion i haven't been able to get down there this year with uh you know everything that's going on but uh you know usually usually make my way down to south florida three or four times a, a year
2: you want you want to pump the camp real quick here for uh, kids want to come up and have fun with jay and the family up there
6: Absolutely. With uh, the Sports Academy at Brookwood Camps, uh, upstate New York. Uh, you can find us uh, at www.brookwoodcamps.com. What we do is we. we uh you know, we're a traditional camp, but we we also bring in some top uh, sports instructors from around the world uh, to work with our kids, uh, you know, so we combine a, a great traditional camp, a fun experience there with, you know, top-level instruction and, and sports and activities that kids really want to focus on.
2: Jay, man, I appreciate you coming on with us. Thank you. You got right back to us. We appreciate it very much. You take care of yourself and hopefully we get back to normal here real soon.
6: My pleasure, Joe. Thank you. You guys stay safe. Great catching back up with you.
1: Jay Feedler, always loved that guy. Also like those stories about Ricky Williams. That's another one of my dudes right there. But now we've got Tua. Onward and upward with Tua, the next great Dolphins quarterback. Doesn't that make you just feel good on this feel good Friday? I've got some more feel good for you right here. Where do
7: you point and say this
1: was the worst of it?
7: Oh, I mean, I think they're in the hospital once we decided to go down the road of really trying to, to, to save my leg. And-
1: okay, that sounds a little dark from Alex Smith, but trust me, it is a feel good story in the end. Plus, got some feel good on the other side. Five minutes away on the Best of the Joe show. Welcome back to the Best of the Joe Show, running back some of the best audio you've heard on this radio station over the past 24 hours. TGIF, I am Dan Day. That's right, it is a feel good Friday. This is my all time favorite Bob Marley and the Wailers' song, Three Little Birds. Why? Because of this. Yeah, don't worry about a thing. Every little thing is going to be all right. And in times like this, Those songs and words just need to sink in like this. Singing sweet songs. I'm not going to regale you with my beautiful singing voice, but just let you know, you're not alone in this world during this crazy time. And sports, I don't feel as though it's ever really left. I feel as though there's still a lot of good sports energy in the world. The actual playing of the games may not be going on, but we've got plenty to talk about the spirit of sports, like the Dan Levitard show today, earlier, they caught up with former quarterback and hopefully one day again a quarterback in the NFL. He is rehabbing a just nasty break of his leg, compound fracture, Alex Smith. And although it kind of sounds grim, there is a silver lining to this dark story. Every little thing going to be all right, going to make you feel good once again on this Feel Good Friday. Talks with Dan Levitard about why he decided to shine light on this terrible injury and let video cameras follow the recovery process, his initial thoughts of when he got injured, life decisions, and the low pointed at all.
3: So Alex Smith has an interesting story, and it's being told tonight at 7.30 on E60. Um, 17 or 18 surgeries. Just a horrifying, terrifying event. I've seen some of the pictures. They're mortifying. Uh, Alex Smith joins us now. He broke his leg. It was very gruesome uh, at the end in Washington, and he joins us now. And thank you for doing so, Alex. And I guess my first question is why you decided to do this story. I've never seen a football injury the way this football. Football injury looks. This is sticking football right in your face.
7: I I think that's honestly probably the reason it we ended up doing it. Sure, I think. All the really serious stuff had passed in the hospital, and it turned into a pretty unique injury. That's really when the doctors, especially our, our team doctor, Dr. Robin West, it came to us and said, "Listen, this is a pretty unique situation. Obviously, unfortunate, but unique. And I really think it's something you guys may want to think about: is is really documenting this road. And for her, it was whether you guys air this out to the public or not. It's just something I think you guys may want, even selfishly, down the line. It's going to be a long road to to have something. Not that you're going to forget it, but just to have. And for me, at the time, I, I you know I. Quickly realized, having gone through it, how much I benefited from people before me uh, that had gone through similar situations medically, you know, that, that the med- the medicine, the techniques, the recovery process had really jumped leaped in, leaps and bounds over the last 20 years, especially from so many servicemen and women that, that had suffered s- similar injuries. And, and I really, I knew I benefited so much from that. And, and I really wanted to kind of, I guess, pay that back for further progress and, and science and medicine for anybody that, that that's coming after and do my part, you know, towards that. So, also given that I, I didn't know it was going to be a long a long process and that this really was a good format to kind of tell that you know that they were willing to, to cover it the entire length of it they weren't in a rush to kind of put something out and, and were willing to let, let it go where it was going to go and I liked everything about that and so once we decided to do it just wanted to be honest as possible and, and as real as possible and I think part of that is, is showing some of the graphic stuff it's hard to put some of those things into words and, and the pictures uh, I, I think do a pretty good justice as far as uh, where things were at, at certain points.
3: Well take us a- through it here. You're on the field. Uh, The pain is what the pain is. What are you thinking then about your career, about how bad this is, about any of it?
7: I mean, I knew it was broken right away. I mean, obviously you look down, it was a funny feeling. I didn't hear any snap or anything, but it was a funny feeling in my leg. And I I looked down and, you know, clearly you recognize your leg's not straight. And obviously the bones are broken. Other than that, though, to be honest, I kind of thought, well, it's a broken bone. And, and, uh, you know, the docs will put me back together however they have to. I mean, I didn't know at that point what what pins, rods, screws, whatever. Like those put me back together and, you know, I'll do the bone will heal eventually. And I'll I'll get back to playing ball. That's really kind of all I was thinking about at the time. I mean, I I knew the season was over, but I didn't know this was anything that would ever jeopardize a career or could. So what happens, though, after that?
3: Like, what's that evening like, and when does it make a turn?
7: Yeah, it wasn't until, actually, we got off the field. I immediately went, you know, they put you in the air cast on the field, and you carted it off, and I went straight into the x-ray room in the stadium, and so I'm getting x-rays on it. And it wasn't until then, even, that we realized that it was a compound break, meaning the bone had gone through the skin and was exposed. But that, I mean, essentially means you're you're going to emergency surgery because of the risk of infection. Yeah, I'm immediately ready. Jump in the ambulance, roll, roll to the hospital, and, and go into emergency surgery uh, that night. Yeah, and w- wake up the next day with you know the surgeons, you know, really saying everything went well. You know that, that my bone was, was all well aligned. They had to put a bunch of plates in, and, and uh, that, that surgery though had, had gone pretty well at that point. And that I'd have to spend a couple of days in the hospital, being able to get around on, on some crutches, show that I was you know kind of in, in good form, and then they'd let me leave. So yeah, I mean the things were kind of progressing. I mean you, you're ready. I'm, I'm gearing up for. Getting out of there, I knew we had to spend a couple nights. But other than that, I'm, I'm cruising around on crutches. I, I was definitely, obviously, in some discomfort. Uh, it was a pretty uh, invasive surgery, and obviously, a pretty, a pretty decent break. But then that's when things just kind of continued to linger. The pain. I was kind of running a, a little bit of a mild fever, and then thankfully, our, our doctor talked us into staying one more night. This was the the, the night before Thanksgiving. Thankfully, because that's when when things got serious. At that point, I I, I had sepsis, and and for me, really kind of blanked out and lost consciousness, and my blood pressure dropped. My fever spike and at that point they're trying to figure out what's wrong doing a run in a bunch of tests and, and trying to figure out what was what, happening
5: alex Smith is with us here uh, e60 tonight 7.30 p.m Eastern on ESPN an incredible story uh alex at what point did they tell you hey this
7: is what the worst case scenario could be you know I was I was out of it at that point so for the next over a week I mean I, I literally don't remember anything very very cloudy you know for me it was really waking up at that point sepsis So it was gone and and, uh, obviously I was in a more stable state, but but at that point left with the ramifications in my leg of of what what was there and and what the surgeons had to do over that time period that I I really don't remember. And waking up with that reality, you know, and and just, uh, I I think, disbelief, the shock, not wanting to believe it, not believing it. And it doesn't go away. I mean, I I woke up every single day for months back with the realization, you know, and you you go to sleep, you dream, you think you're you're, you're normal again and you wake up and it's like, no, that wasn't a dream. This is what my leg is. Moving forward with that as, as best you can. And certainly it was a process, a long process for me mentally and physically dealing with it.
3: How alone were you and how scared were you?
7: I'm really, really thankful, obviously, for my wife and family and, and had family in town, my parents, extended family that really picked up all the slack when when I was down and out and to uh, to have three little kids and you know they got they're in school but obviously they're dealing with this and they, they don't totally know the seriousness and I think that was also a, a matter of the privacy issue you know and a lot of this didn't come out kids that are school age certainly didn't want them hearing things uh, in the classroom or from their friends so you know thankful that it, that it was kept private and uh, that I did have such a great family and friends and support around me and certainly a great care team that was really able to, to have a great save fear oh yeah you kidding oh man i mean when you're laid up and hospital bound and you know for me then even discharged from the hospital wheelchair bound it was a while before i could you know and then you're using a walker and getting around i mean yeah it is it's, you're wondering if you're ever going to be able to, to walk again the outcome range of outcomes that the doctors are telling you at that point is so wide and great i mean at that point i mean there was a long time that amputation still wasn't off the table still a potential possibility even having gone through so many surgeries to try and save my leg so I'd be lying if I fe- said fear the entire time wasn't wasn't in the back of your head and, and you're doing the best you can to not let it overcome you but a lot of days you're wondering what, what, what's your life going to be like what is going to be your normal moving forward you know I got young kids what is that going to be like as they get older and how can I what kind of husband am I going to be all, all those things creep into your head and thinking about them constantly
3: What do you remember about the conversations how delicate they were or weren't uh, about amputation?
7: I think for me it was Waking up, then I was in so much shock, I think, when, when obviously given the options. Of what I had in front of me, obviously amputation being one and, and, and was one for a while that, and it was serious. I mean, this wasn't like something that you could clearly see the look on the doctor's faces, on my wife's face, when they're talking to you about the options and, and the advantages and disadvantages of, and certainly not everybody was on the same page from, from the doctor's standpoint that some people thought, you know, amputation was the way and, and to move forward and, and others, limb salvage. So kind of a punch in the face to wake up and that, that, that this is the reality you're faced with and almost in disbelief, but, but no no one was no one was joking around.
5: Alex Smith with us here on ESPN Radio again uh the E60 special tonight on ESPN at 7:30. Uh Alex I mean I can't believe I'm asking this but and and I'm interested in what your answer is going to be here. Were there times throughout all these surgeries, all the pain, where there were times of loneliness, times of doubt, where you're questioning your decision uh to do all this, and this is the part I have a hard time asking, were you thinking to yourself, hey, maybe amputation was the easier, less painful route?
7: Oh, yeah, yeah, without a doubt. I think there's definitely times you think about that, that this is still, I mean, I'm, I'm still in the midst of recovery, and and this has been almost a year and a half. I mean, to think about what that road's been like, the multiple surgeries, the progression, you know, really a crawl at times. Moving forward, to you know, to have the fixator, the external fixator on my leg for that long, learning to, to walk again—absolutely. There's times where you wonder, and then none of it was guaranteed. You know, that uh, am I doing all this for nothing? And and uh you know, to be months and months into it, and, and really amputation was still potentially on the table. It was was scary, and you know, is this all going to be for nothing? So, yeah, it definitely was there. I mean, I, I think it still goes back to lucky to, to have the people I have around me—my wife and kids and family—that try to get you out of those dark times, give you perspective. How lucky I am to have you know three healthy kids, a great wife, great family, friends, support. You try to snap out of those as quickly as possible and, and keep perspective on things.
3: Was the worst of it like when you think of pain or doubt or uh, the beginning of looking at a mountain and being overwhelmed by how far you have to climb? Like where do you point and say this was the worst of it?
7: Oh, I mean, I think there in the hospital once we decided to go down the road of, of really trying to, to, to save my leg and, and uh, yeah, have your leg bolted into a frame. I mean, this is a this is a I mean, literally a metal frame that doesn't come off your leg. I mean, it's bolted into your bone, and uh, this thing ain't coming off for months and months and months. And the doctors don't know when it's going to come off, but it's what's saving your leg. And you know, to be wheelchair bound for for so long and crutches for so long, and and uh, that's definitely a life adjustment. I mean, you're doing pin care every single day because you have open wounds in your leg that you're walking around with. Uh, just a crazy crazy device but yeah at that point you're still i'm still wondering if i'll be able to walk again normally will i be able to go on a hike play with my kids go for a walk with my wife you know like those are those all things i had i had you know you just don't know you don't know what life's going to be like when you come out of that and where i'm going to fit into that you know what kind of ability i'm going to have so yeah that, that, that definitely um was probably the, the darkest time the hardest time
1: If you want to hear the rest of that very powerful interview with Alex Smith, you can download the podcast for the Dan Lebitard Show, for this show, or any of the shows, wherever you get your podcasts for absolutely free, the radio.com app, or just go to our website, wqam.com. Remember, 730 ESPN E60. Going to take an in-depth look at Alex Smith's recovery from that terrible injury, but still kind of feel good. And I hope he makes a full recovery. I'm not so hopeful that he makes it back to the NFL, Oh, I would just be scared to see that after that horrible, horrible injury. But you got to feel good when you have family and friends around you. And hopefully you have exactly that around you during this pandemic. You always have a family here. 560 The Joe, especially in the afternoons with the Hawk and Crowder Show.
4: You must say goodbye to Charles Harris. How yeah. uh, You go first, Crowder. How led you, big homie.
1: Okay, maybe Charles Harris isn't part of the family, but you are. Stick around five minutes and we'll get some Hawk and Crowder, maybe even those Hawkman highlights, Crowder Crowd Pleasers on the Best of the Joe show. The Best of the Joe show, running back some of the best audio you've heard on this radio station over the past 24 hours. I am Dan Day on Twitter at Dan Day Radio, and it is a feel good Friday. So a little extra reggae from Miami Zone. Jaffe, warning. (laughs) Yeah, feeling good and always feeling good. Weekday afternoons with the Hawk and Crowder Show. Who has more fun than we do? Nobody! So, let's get into it. Feels like Friday. Oh yes, Charles Harris will holla at ya. Then Solana's got the headlines.
4: Well, it's a Friday! Woo! You know, it was a little time there. Fridays just felt like any other day. And I wasn't looking forward to Fridays because nothing to do on the weekends and so but now I, and, and this is how adaptable human beings are friday now actually to me feels like friday again
8: yes you're 100 percent correct right are, yes because saturday's the fishing morning with the kids like i i totally adjusted my schedule to what we're dealing with
4: like i'm like all of a sudden okay it's the weekend i got big plans this weekend i have to pick up a prescription at CVS
8: that's the highlight
4: right and then I've got the last dance on Sunday night so um sometime between Saturday morning and Sunday night at nine I'm gonna pick up a prescription and then uh and then I'll watch the last dance uh oh god this isn't better
8: <laughs> you know what you're you're, you're joking <laughs> but when I I, uh, I went to order some scooters the little razor scooters for my kids mm-hmm. and the lady said oh they're at the store you can pick them up today come on kids hey get dressed <laughs> right, let's we're, go we're going to Target let's go come on <laughs> I got jacked up to leave the house.
4: Yeah, man. Uh, it's a uh, very interesting. But humans are adaptable, and uh, we will continue to uh, do the shows from our homes as long as required. And then hopefully uh, sooner rather than later, we will be back in the studio and joining Alejandro Solana there. We must say goodbye to Charles Harris. How uh, yeah. You go first, Crowder. How at you, big homie. You, Hawk. <laughs> Charles Harris, we hardly knew ya. Three and a half Mm -hmm. sacks in 41 games.
8: That's a first-round bust, huh? Oh, yes, for sure. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. And I just, I watched enough of him, I don't see him reemerging as this great player. You know, like, I th- I think he was a bust. He is a bust. He, he'll be in the league now. He'll play another seven, right, eight years. Right, But, but you no. you draft someone in the first
4: round, uh, you expect a few years later to be able to get more than a seventh-round pick in return when you trade yeah. him, so.
8: Most time, first-rounders, you talk about, you know, um, picking up their fifth-year option. We <laughs> traded him. <laughs> him. I mean, that's go, crazy. We don't so of, anymore. How
4: many seasons did he play? So, was it three three seasons? I believe
9: I four. Just, I believe four seasons. Four seasons?
4: Yeah, that's a.
8: You uh, said yeah, right? Forty-one games. See, that's even bad to play. Because remember, 41 by the end games in four seasons.
4: Remember, by the end of last year, they were uh, they were sitting. He was like on the 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 do not dress list, but well, he was healthy.
8: They were trying to replace this man every turn. Yeah. They brought in Beagle. They brought in um, Van Ginkel. They brought in Char- Taco Charlton. They were trying to get him off the field, and now they got him off the team. Big homie, I'm to holler at you. <laughs> that's all we got for him.
4: That is a big first round bus what number pick was he 22 so he was picked 22nd in 2017 yeah so three. So it was seasons. only three seasons yeah, yeah you're right
9: Hawk this will be his fourth season my apologies just three yeah. seasons wow Listen,
4: that I mean that's pretty staggering failure on uh on a first round draft pick
8: oh yeah and I haven't done it but just you know what I don't want to do it don't go back and tell me who went after 22nd because all it's gonna do is upset us I know JJ Watt did or TJ Watt <sighs> did TJ Watt well, I just told you don't upset me Hawk. this is Friday <laughs> Hawk. We just brought this up. So, so sorry. So sorry. I
4: thought you said go back and tell me who was drafted after. <laughs> did, did I misunderstand you? My bad. So anyway, yeah, uh, they got rid of Taco Charlton yesterday. They get rid of uh, uh, Charles Harris today. And, uh, you know, you could see what the... Uh, although the Taco Charlton one, to be quite honest, surprises me almost more than the Charles Harris one. Because I thought Taco Charlton had a couple good games last season. It was only a million dollars or something, I think, right? Against the salary cap? Or am I reading that wrong? Yeah. Regardless.
8: He wasn't a hot pick, but, Hawk, huh, think about it. They brought in Ogba. They brought in Ben right. Noe. They brought in Shaq Lawson. They drafted too right. deep. Like, they were looking for pass rush. We were the worst team rushing the passer last year. Yep. And yep. Charles was on the field, Hawk. Huh? It was a matter of time for this. Yep. He is gone.
4: He is yeah. gone. Charles Harris is gone. We hardly knew ya. I guess, uh, guess that would be a good time for us to get into headlines. I'm sure that's the lead story. Here are headlines with Alejandro Solana.
9: It is the lead story, Mark. The Falcons Alex. Uh, acquired a <laughs> defensive end in Charles Harris from the Finns. And uh, in return, Miami gets a 2021 seventh-round pick. I mean, it's really – I almost feel like you in today's market in 2020
4: could command a seventh-round pick in return for your rights.
8: Bro, when you get a seventh-rounder two years from now, what, like, it's its Chris Greer telling me – um. Oh, the little weird dude. A GM from Atlanta is a funny-looking guy. It's him saying, bro, just throw me a bone so I can have something to show for this guy. That's what seventh-rounder next year is for. I mean, do you know who they took in the seventh round this year? I have my list. You don't know it offhand, do you? Malcolm Perry, wide receiver, That was the dude from Army, yeah, (laughs) that's right. From Navy. He played played every
9: position at Navy. Uh, He was the long snapper, the center, the punter, the kicker, the quarterback, wide receiver, and running back.
8: Wow, thank you, Robbie Cam. Does that show how great he is or how terrible Army is? Like, what, I think, what does that I think say? Navy. A little
4: combination of both. <laughs>
8: yeah. He has a good story, though. I mean, yeah, there was a time when,
4: when I was working at the radio station in Belle Glade where I was morning host, evening host, program director, production director, van driver. I, I did engineer. <laughs>
8: What's it called? <laughs> Ninety-one point seven, the Hawkman.
4: Yeah, it was like uh, it was called Seventh Round Radio, and it was and that's a, it's a good example of what uh, that dude was doing at Army.
9: Tim Tebow, he says he believes Tua is the most quote gifted quarterback he's seen coming out of college, and he has a chance to change the franchise here in Miami. But he does say he would sit him until he is a hundred percent healthy.
4: I uh, I keep reading stories on Tua. The only knock I can find on him and and it was Jay Barker was on with us this week the old Alabama quarterback said the same thing you know he's got to find a way maybe to get rid of the ball or not try to do too much but man I I really do feel like I'm in agreement there with Tebow this guy can change the entire direction of the Miami Dolphins franchise this can be one of those guys where again you know uh um and I don't want to put him in the category obviously yet of Patrick Mahomes but doesn't matter what Kansas City was down by in the playoffs right you were like okay Patrick Mahomes will bring them back. And I think we're going to have that same kind of experience with Tua. That nothing's out of hand, nothing's out of reach. You're you're in every game, you're in every season because he's going to make things happen at the quarterback position that we have not seen in years. Here.
8: Yes, and uh, that, that part too, and Jay Barker brought it up, and it's a good point. You know, trying to make something happen, trying to make something out of nothing. At this level, that's what they teach you. Hey, second and 10 is not terrible. Third and five is not terrible. Let's live to uh, play the next down. Mistakes and injuries. When you're trying to extend too many plays, you. when he got his hip dislocated, he was extending the play rolling out. Throw the ball away, Tua. Third and 10, we have to punt. We'll have another series. That's something that Brady, Rogers, Breeze, and all the guys that we believe Tua can play on that level, they had to learn or they had to get better at. I have no I have no no concern with Tua learning how to let a down go. Don't try to extend it. Throw the ball out of bounds. Let's play the next down.
4: Unless he's learning from Ryan Fitzpatrick, who's putting his shoulder down instead of running out
8: of bounds and getting his <laughs> bell rung. That's gonna be a funny, the funny meetings when he's watching Fitzpatrick right? from last year. So coach, on this play, I try to run over a linebacker. No 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 <laughs> We love Fitzy and all, but let's go a different direction. No 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 no
3: <laughs>
1: It is a feel-good Friday, so let's keep the tradition going with this.
0: Hockey highlights. Highlight. Crowd. Crowder, crowd pleasers. Crowd pleasers. Bienvenidos al hockey crowder show. Brought to you in Miami. Hi.
4: See ya Figgy. Alright,
0: bye. Bye
4: guys. Alright. What'd she just say?
0: Highlight.
8: I would see the guy from Auburn. Uh what's his man's name? Igg
4: many people call ron washington the andre agassi of baseball there's
0: a highlight All right,
8: bye. i got something there's a 102 year old woman that survived the spanish flu she beat cancer and she just got over covid19
4: man i'd have taken her in the 7th round pick why not <laughs>
8: i want to drink her blood
4: mine was a little more appropriate but whatever
6: aye, aye, aye. So.
4: michelle pfeiffer elvira from scarface mm. Thin as a rail in that movie. Thin as a rail. Her uh, birthday cake is one candy corn. ig ig beninny The only reason anyone knows Ron Washington's name is because he did cocaine. <laughs> Happy birthday. One day you will watch a documentary, 10 parts, on Zion Williamson, much like you are Michael Jordan.
8: Yeah, it's called my 600 pound life. Ig ba bunny. Alright,
0: alright, alright, bye. Alright, right, right,
4: And thank you for the call, Mr. Lie. Today, on our head to head battle, it is Boris Becker and Marv Levy. Because he did cocaine.
8: It with mahogany. Ig with mahogany. Ig Hey. It's called my 600 <laughs> pound life. And thank you for the call, Mr. Lie. It with mahogany. Ig
0: Alright, <but>. alright, <laughs> I'm, I'm pleased.
1: Bye, right, but I'm Dan Day, going home, going to get some of that funky Buddha. Hopefully you have a safe and fun weekend. Be back Monday on the best of the Joe Show. Later, slug.
0: Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand.